podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you with the cooperation of the SJ Network. If you're a person who needs a publicist and you want to appear on podcasts, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Let's get on with the show. How's your puppy training going? Well, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is he's finally going on the paper. That's fantastic. And the bad news? It's while I'm reading it. I think we better listen to today's interview with dog trainer Kim Hawkinson. Attention, rebels of the Sherpolution. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We would like to give you a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial simply by heading to www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles of audiobooks and podcasts, including this one, to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now, the one and only Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa chalet. As a reminder, you can get some of the Sherpa's jokes for free at the gift shop. So take as many as you like. We're begging you. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts, and it is I sitting in this chair, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Welcome to Mount Podcastia, where we like checking out podcasts and giving out recommendations and talking to all sorts of interesting people. And you know what? This is something that I haven't really said in a while on the show, but you know what? We've got to get it out in the open. Okay, so Rebels, or people new to the show, just bear with me one second, but... It's a theme week. It's theme week. It's theme week. It's theme week. And this week's theme is dog training. I know this is an unusual topic for a podcast, but guess what? We are going to be talking to... Who's our guest today, Sherpa? Kim Hawkinson. And Kim is a dog trainer and had a lot to say about how to raise our pooches perfectly. She's also a dog behavioralist, so she understands and studies how dogs act the way that they do. So before you get that rolled up newspaper and stick somebody's nose in poop, and hopefully that's not a person, have a listen to my interview with Kim Hawkinson about dogs and dog training, and maybe you'll learn a little bit of something. Let's get to the interview. Hello there, Rebels. We are in the kennel at the Sherpa Chalet, and... You know, if I needed some guidance as to do a little dog training, my guest would be the perfect person to ask. Her name is Kim Hawkinson, and she's a dog trainer and a behavioralist as well, as she says. And we're going to talk a little bit about dog training and what what do we need to do and what don't we need to do. And we're going to get to know about Kim and uh, what she can do to help you out. So, Kim, welcome to the show. Jim, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Have you always been a dog person? You know what? I really have. Um, I had dogs, even I, I can still remember um, my first dog. This is terrible. Lady. Her name was Lady. I'm like, oh my God, I just spazzed on my first dog name. <laughs> Kim, you're terrible. Um, and yeah, always had dogs growing up. And then I went off to college. I tried to keep one in the dorm. It didn't go well. So we're not going to count that one. And um, got my first dog when I first got married. 
and now have my second adult dog. Yeah, I've, I've always had dogs. So wait, when you had a dog in the dorm, that wasn't Spuds McKenzie, was it? I said, no, no, <laughs> no, no, wasn't that cool. Um, I tried. I think my boyfriend tried. I think it was my boyfriend. She's like, look, I got you a puppy. I'm like, oh, great. And then all of a sudden the RA walked and she's like, Kim. I'm like, I, I don't know why this dog is here. You have to yeah. It becomes like the Charlie Brown special. <laughs> no dogs allowed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so you obviously, I know you, you were talking to your dog before. Yes, I was. How many dogs do you have right now? You, you just have the one? No, I just have the one that is not by choice. Um, she is a double-coated German. All German Shepherds are double-coated. Um, but sh- when she sheds, sweet baby Jesus, it's, it's everything is covered in hair and I just can't do the cleanup. So <laughs> yeah. I, we uh, had German shepherds when I was younger too. And I, when you used to take that wire brush and you'd get those clumps of fur and it would just go on for like hours and hours. Like where are you getting all this hair from? How in the hell do you still have hair? <laughs> you wonder if she's getting like to get buzz cut or something like that, you know, take it to the barber. Right. And then you find a, a place on your dog where you haven't really brushed before. And then all of a sudden it's like you hit a pocket of gold. It just keeps on coming. You're like, God damn it. I found another one. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no escape from the fur. None. No. <laughs> okay. When, when did you start uh, getting involved with training dogs? Well, um, I have a degree in marine biology. I got my um, BS at college of Charleston. And after school, um, a couple years after I finished college, I ended up getting married and I really didn't do anything with my degree after I got out of college. Um, it's not funny, <laughs> but then, um, my, um, husband had, uh, who's in the air force, um, was stationed in Hawaii. He was stationed on Oahu, Hawaii. And I, um, uh, put in an application for an internship at Sea Life Park, which is the big oceanarium that they have out there. So they've got the, the dolphins, um, Atlantic and Pacific bottlenose dolphins, sea lions, penguin, like that, you know, they've got everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really where I learned how to train. And when we went back stateside, I'm like, well, I know how to, I know how to train. And I worked with a dog trainer. So I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, I can go to PetSmart. That, they, they train dogs there. And people here at PetSmart are like, oh, um, but, but I knew what I was doing. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't really feel too bad about it. Um, then I had my first daughter and I stopped and I stopped working because I wanted to take care of my daughter. And I was like, I have this awesome skill. Like, and it's not just that, but to see the look on someone's face when they, when they see that, that communication break down and they, their dog actually does something, it literally lights up their face. And that is the most rewarding thing in the entire world because you haven't just shown them how to do that thing. You've given them hope and joy and happiness and no one can take that from them. Okay, no one can take that from them in that moment. The dog's going to piss them off like 15 minutes after I leave. But in that moment, it's amazing. <laughs> I started my business and at the very beginning, it was just the basics. It was, well, we teach our dog how to sit. We teach our dog how to lay down. We teach our dog how to stay and the, you know, the normal stuff. But the more that I got into the journey, um, I met up with some other trainers who introduced me to um, some other just techniques and methodologies. And over the past two years, I've really focused on helping dogs cope better with the world around them. 
um, simply because you can, you can watch YouTube and find out how to teach your dog how to sit. You can teach, you can watch YouTube and find out how to, you know, do a, a long sit or a long down, which means you walk, you tell your dog to sit or lay down and you walk far away. Then you walk back to them and you're done. Like you can watch YouTube for that. But having your dog be okay with thunderstorms, having your dog be okay with uh, thunder and lightning, having your dog be okay with a bus horn going off outside your house or air brakes or ki- a whole bunch of kids running around, you know, those type things. Some dogs get around those things and they start freaking out. That's where I come in. That's what I like doing because you're just, you're giving that dog its life back. You're literally saying, Hey, it's going to be okay. I got you. Are dogs naturally anxious? Do you think that where it stirs in that much or do they just get used to like what's within their house and then anything that's outside becomes just something to be afraid of? A little bit. So I like to think of dogs as aliens. When we first bring them into our house, they have no idea what the rules are. If they were, whether we get our dog from a shelter or whether we get our dog from a breeder, they live their first six to eight weeks, hopefully 12 weeks, um, at a different place. And then they're transplanted into this location, this new location, their new home. Well, they get there and they're like, oh man, what is this? You know? And so there it's, I think a lot of anxiety is just caused by ignorance, them not knowing. But so when we bring our dogs into our home, we tend to want to give them everything. Baby, I love you. Here's toys. Here, sleep on the couch. Do you want, do you want to sit in my chair? I'll move over. You can sit here. I already got a room for you. And we, we want to give our dogs all these things. And by and and that that's not a bad thing at all. But what happens is we often don't give them rules and boundaries. And again, that's not saying anything negative for someone who doesn't do that. Um, but dogs without rules and boundaries tend to just like humans, they have to make up all the decisions for themselves. And anybody who is overworked, overstressed, who has to make a million different decisions during the day, that person is generally super skitzed out and super stressed out and super anxious, right? It's the exact same thing for our dogs. There's a reason why there's the alpha in a dog pack is because that, that dog, that pair of dogs makes all the decisions. That's good. That's bad. Don't go past that rock. I'm going to kick your ass. Don't, you know, all, all that happy, fun stuff. And for dogs that don't have that, it just, it sets their anxiety a little higher. Um, yeah. So I don't think dogs are not all of them. Some of them are, are working dogs. Some of them need that physical and mental stimulation. If they don't get it, then they get super um, anxious and a little wiry, but. Are there certain breeds of dogs that are harder to train than other breeds of dogs? Or do you think it's pretty equal across the board? In, in all honesty, like I've, I've worked with, I think a fair number of breeds, but by no means have I worked with all of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say one is necessarily harder than the other. You have a lot of dogs that people describe, oh, he's just stubborn. He doesn't want to listen. Right. Or some dogs that are literally just, they're like raptor smart. They can problem solve. They can do all that stuff. And you ask them to do something once or twice. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. You ask them to do it a third time. They're like, why? This is stupid. I know how to do this. Let's do something different. Come on, let's go. Um, And for the dogs that are stubborn, it's okay. Well, how are you going to challenge that dog? If the dog is stubborn and won't do it, what are you going to do 
you have to make them want to work for something, which can be difficult. You know, I guess since you're talking about rewarding a dog. Yeah. Is it always cookies? Is it always snacks? Or should it not always be cookies and snacks? I try my best not to be that know-it-all trainer. Everybody has different experiences and everybody has different information. Different information than me, different than everybody else. So I try not to say, well, you're doing this wrong. They're just doing it differently. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to training a dog, when you're first implanting a behavior or you're first implanting, implanting like a sequence of things, um, rules and boundaries, Yes, you want to treat them. You want to let them know there's a reason you should be doing this. And this is why you get paid and it's awesome and yay. And it can be treats. It can be um, their own food. It can be love and affection. It can be life rewards, going outside to play ball or going outside for a walk or going to do something. But the problem lies in that people continue to give the treats and cookies once the dog already knows the behavior. So what we're doing in that situation is creating a dog that is now demanding the reward. No, I do. I, where's my, where's my food? Where's my treat? I did it. Then the dog starts barking at you or, or, you know, kind of gets up, spins in a circle and gives you the middle finger, like, come on. Um, but it's, it's keeping them on the, on their toes. And after they know that initial behavior, periodically give them, give them a reward you know, I, I totally appreciate what you're doing for me. Yes. Thank you. But it doesn't have to be that treat, 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 treat that we do when we're first shaping a behavior or, tra or training a behavior. And I guess yeah. even if you kind of flip the coin when it comes to punishing a dog, what do we do then? So with the punishing of a dog, I'm pulling up my arms with my sleeves. I'm like, oh man, we're in it now, Jim. Um, <laughs> so when when we're punishing a dog, um, one, I don't believe that being physical with a dog is necessary. Now, the caveat to that is sometimes a, a, a dog, you know, butting down harder, biting, you know, nipping harder than it should. Yeah, yeah. Um, but rubbing a nose, rubbing the dog's nose in a potty accident or smacking it on its butt or smacking it on its muzzle might deter him for a second, but depending on the personality of that dog, again, middle finger, say what? No. And then they go right back to it. Right. Um, the way that I train dogs is to really get them to listen, to really get them to understand, Hey, when I, when I say this, that's what I mean. I mean what I say. And I say what I mean. Um, I use their resources. Everything good comes through me. Yeah. So, so when I'm punishing the dog, um, if they do something wrong, I might use the baritone voice, just like I'm talking to a kid. And I literally could say the alphabet if I wanted to, but I'm still using that voice. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just kind of, oh, oh. You know, like we, you want to know that, okay, that's not good. Okay. Noted, noted. Okay, cool. I got it. I got it. Um, yeah. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah. Um, and not to, not to let them, it, and it's, and it's as humans, we're not consistent. We're just not. Um, so punishing a dog and letting them know that something isn't okay. If you're going to be consistent and enforce it every single time, cool. But if you're not be aware of it, right? So you can't be like, no fluff it. No, we are not supposed to do that the next day. And the day after and the day after that dog does the exact same thing and nothing bad happens. You see it, but you don't do anything about it. Right. right. And then the fifth day, fluffy, no, 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 no. The dog's like, what the, I, I was fine yesterday, the day right. before. 
right? So be aware of that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you can't you can't change the rules up on somebody. That's like me coming home with with a with a boy toy with, with my husband, and my husband's like, "What the hell?" I'm like, you didn't say anything last time. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's consistency basically that that we have to be concerned with, and just so that they know you, what your guidelines are, and that they know that they're going to make mom and dad happy if they stay within those guidelines. Yeah, yeah. What's the worst problems that people bring to you when uh, they bring in their dogs to be trained? Are there certain biting, like like the biting and just jumping Um, on people and stuff like that? Jumping, barking. um, A lot of it is anxiousness. So I went to, I went to one home and in all honesty, this was so long ago and she literally never contacted me again. And I think it was because she was so embarrassed about what happened. She said, uh, so my dog is, doesn't, doesn't like men at all. Barks her head off, you know, barks, uh, it's head off at them. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's see. And we had like a, a walk by meet and greet out. That was afterwards, but the dog came out and she didn't have a leash on it. This dog came charging at me, barking. Like it was pissed off at the world. I'm just like, and, and all I had was a folder. That's what I had with me. And I'm trying to block the dog. I'm like, grab, grab your dog, grab your dog. And she finally grabbed the dog. I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. I have the energy when I go to a person's house. It's a, I try to keep myself as calm as I possibly can. But dogs either hate me or they love me. It's either one or the other. And I, ha- I kind of feel like I have this air about me. Like, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You actually made an interesting statement when you were starting your response about dogs hating men. Do dogs discriminate against sexes or is it just like people in general or, or just a sense? I think, you know what? I think it can be a sense um, I, based on past experiences that could shape their behaviors. Um, in all honesty, it could be shaped by the owner's actions or um, something that happened during a fear stage um, and dogs have, uh, God, pulling up information that I'm not hundred percent sure on. Um, I, I believe dogs have, um, either two or three fear stages. And during the fear stage, they could be completely fine with something one day and then the next day be like, Whoa, and you know, be freaked out and fearful of it. Um, and it's just them maturing, um, mentally and physically and all that stuff. Um, so something negative or what they perceive as negative. That's, that's the other thing, like, um, going through a fear stage and a gentleman reaches down to pet the dog over the head which you shouldn't do. You should always let the dog come to you when you're greeting a new dog. But that could have created that situation where the dog was like, nope, dude's bad. Nope, dudes are bad. I don't like them. They, mm-mm, nope. Mm-hmm. And that could, could have shaped it. Then the human, the owner might not have even realized or it might not have even seen it, right? Um, but yeah, I think it really just depends on the upbringing and um, the experiences. Right. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a traumatic experience it could just be like one little isolated incident that just may have just triggered something in them yes that triggered something and just spiraled out of control and no one did anything to step in maybe maybe because that dog wasn't around that trigger after that point and they just didn't see it Mm -hmm. um could you talk a little bit about the difference between training a puppy and training like a much older dog is is one harder or uh, you you know know what a different approach 
I really think it is a different approach. So when you're training a puppy, everything is new. They really don't have any preconceived notions. They don't have any, they don't have trauma yet. They don't have anything and nothing bad has really happened to them, Mm -hmm. but they only have so many weeks with their mom and siblings. Sometimes it's difficult when you get a dog from a shelter and even with some breeders, they don't keep the dogs long enough. Um, I tell everybody you should get your dog no earlier than eight weeks. And that's simply because the more time that they spend with their siblings and with their parents, they're learning how to communicate. They're learning bite inhibition, meaning not to bite. They're still going to use their mouth to communicate, but the likelihood of them latching on and biting drops dramatically the longer that they're with their family. They're learning how to read other dog body language. They're learning just how they're, they're becoming themselves. They're finding their own personalities. And that might sound a little strange, but every single dog has a different personality. Um, and so, but when they come into the new home as an alien, you kind of have to show them how to life right? Like you have to potty train them. You have to teach them that bite inhibition and how to be easy with things. Um, if there's going to be kids in the house or they're going to be just around other people, right? Try to teach a 200 pounds St. Bernard to be easy, sweet Jesus. Um, <laughs> and um, teaching them not to jump, teaching them how to be okay in certain situations, um, things like that. With the older dogs, they've had Um, they've had time to form those neural pathways. They, you know, this leads to this, this means this, right? And so they, they, some things are more set in stone. So it can take a little bit longer to untrain some bad behaviors, but at the same time, if you engage them and they really like that because they hadn't had that before, right? They could be like, Ooh, this is different. Okay, let's do this. Um, and, and that, that's actually a lot of fun to see, um, a dog really engage with you just because it is new, just because it's something that they're not used to. And they, dogs love thinking like dogs are always pulling in new information and always trying to figure things out. And so when they learn how to communicate the way that we need them to, or so they can understand us, there's like, why did you tell me the first day? Oh, I get it now. This is awesome. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So Kim, tell, tell me a little bit about your process when people bring dogs to you to be trained. You said that like sometimes they like you, sometimes they don't. What, what happens? Yeah. What's your approach to, to, to resolving that? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm a skosh woo woo. Um, I, I tend to close my eyes. Um, I try and meditate and I try and, visualize them. And I just talk to them. And I know that sounds weird, but it really works. Um, and so I'll, I'll meditate. I'll, you know, hi, Sonny, I'm going to come over to your house and I'm going to teach your mom and dad and you how we're supposed to go potty. Okay. I know, uh, Brewster, I forgot the, the, the brother's name. Um, but we're going to do all this stuff. And she was fantastic. The entire time I was there, mom messaged me, a couple weeks later, she's like, she's going to the kennel. Dog had never been in a kennel and was afraid of the kennel. And she's completely potty trained because <laughs> her previous owners didn't do anything. It was a little Boston. And so tiny dog is just like, no, go pee and poo wherever you want. Um, but so that's, that's my process. And if they don't like me, that's totally okay. Um, I've gone into one house, dog barked at me the entire time. A lot of fear, 
lot of fear. Um, and so I'm just trying to get her closer to me. And I put out my hand and I thought she was, she was going to be okay. And he, sometimes you just, you just don't know if she were a little bit bigger, I probably wouldn't have done it. She's a little itty bitty guy. And I'm just putting my hand out and she sniffed at me and I rewarded her. Good girl. Thank you. You know, thank you for coming into my space. I really appreciate that. Um, and I did the exact same thing, but she was like, Nope, changed my mind. And she kind of got, got me a little bit, didn't draw blood. It wasn't like, it wasn't even hard, but she was letting me know don't cross the line. I'm like, okay, cool. We're good. I think that the smaller the dog is, I never push it because it's not my job to come into somebody's home and make their dog feel uncomfortable or unsafe. Right. That is, that is the top priority. Um, I'm there to train the humans. And if I can show them on the dog, cool, but sometimes that's not possible. And that's okay too, because the dog already knows what to do. The dog already knows you can, the dog can already be lured or, you know, shown what to do, but it's the humans that have to implement it after I'm gone. So it really is. I mean, the job is technically called dog training. It's really human training. It is, but that would sound condescending. So they don't, they didn't call it that. Um, yeah. I guess if it were you in training, they wouldn't look like sausages, right? They would probably look like, you know, a martini or a hamburger or a steak or something yeah. like that. But one of the, one of the things that I've been working on, it's called perception modification. And so what I said earlier about teaching a dog how to not be afraid of fireworks and thunderstorms. And as soon as December 15th or maybe even 10th, maybe first rolls around, people are like, okay, what is, what do you do for the fireworks on, on new year's? What do you know? And it's because our dogs are massively traumatized by these things. And the whole process of perception modification shows your dog how to be calm. And people are like, oh, my dog is calm. I'm like, no, 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 no. Your dog is calm in that moment. But can your dog be calm in that moment with the trigger outside the house? And the answer is always no. Well, well no, you didn't say that. I'm like, okay, you didn't let me finish. Um, but so when dogs are fearful and anxious and all of those, oh, I'm just like, I know, I hear you. I'm very sorry. I'm almost done. Thank you. Thank you, my love. Um, but so when dogs- She wants to get in on the podcast too, right? I think she does. I think she does. She's like, mom, suck. Annoying me. Um, so when dogs are fearful or anxious or just in a heightened um, emotional state, they don't know they're in that state. They just know that they are. Okay. Um, so if you're able to show a dog how to be calm, I mean, how to be calm, they are, have relaxed- Facial features, they have relaxed muscles, they have relaxed body posture, they have relaxed breathing, relaxed everything. And then you can say, okay, now I need you to get unrelaxed. I need you to get alert. I need you to get um, awake. I need, you know, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden the dog picks up his head. How amazing is that? You're awake, you're alert. Okay, now let's get easy again. And when a dog can turn that on and off, you know your dog has control over their emotions, right? Sure. And so then you strategically deconstruct the triggers. So when they see that trigger, whether, or hear that trigger, whether it's fireworks, another dog, um, a guy, whatever it might be, they don't have that negative reaction because they've, they've made themselves calm in the face of that through that deconstruction of the trigger. So it's, it's, it's so fantastic and amazing to watch. Yeah. What kind of techniques do you use to teach a dog to calm down. The fireworks are a classic example because you hear yeah. that, like the, the breathing was like, <laughs> you know, they're shivering, they're shaking and, yeah. and yeah. They, they look like they're just not in control of that. Now you have to bring them 
to a calm state. Like when they, yeah. if they were just like laying down and nothing was going on. Right. So I think there's, there's desensitizing um, strategies. So um, getting them into a behavioral down, which is just you, I equate a behavioral down to, you know how a star comes out of like the retreat after a week where they're not allowed to have cell phones and they're not allowed to have any contact with the outside world. And they come out and they're like, oh, I'm a different person. This is amazing. You should totally do this. Um, and they, because they've had that calm, quiet time and they were, they were forced because they had nothing else to do but to be calm and relax. And that's a behavioral down with the dog. So you could do something like that. You could start earlier and do some uh, desensitizing with those specific sounds. So, and desensitizing the way that the way that I've heard some people describe it, it's showing the dog the exact same thing over and over and over and hoping for a different result. Um, one trainer is like, you can't desensitize a dog doing that. I'm like, it's the exact same thing that's causing them to skits out. Duh. Um, but so when you're desensitizing a dog, you have to find their threshold. So on, so threshold, I'm, I'm backwards. So I'm just, Oh, I'm trying to do it right. So okay. here's the threshold. And on this side of the line, they're completely calm. They can look at you. They can look around. They can, they can look at that thing that skits in them out. They can, they can do everything on the other side of that line. They're like, you can tell there's a physical difference in them. Right. And so when you're doing that sound desensitizing for fireworks, as the example, you need to start. And I tell everybody, get an app on your phone, turn the volume all the way down, like one square. You need one square for them to hear it. And when your dog hears it and they don't do anything, yes, you did so amazing. That was a firework. And part of the perception modification, it's called name and explain. And I think that a lot of anxiety comes from dogs just not knowing what's going on around them. And it's not that they're trying to be ignorant. It's not that they're trying to be bad by barking. They literally just don't know. So when I talk with a dog, I literally talk with a dog and I tell the owners, I'm like, hey, just so you know. I'm going to talk to your dog like they're a person. Okay. And they're like, okay, yeah, I talked to my dog anyway. I no, no, nine, nine out of 10 people say that they talk to their dog like a person. Anyway, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to do great. Mm -hmm. um, but so I tell them that was a firework. Are you ready to hear the firework again? Push play again. And the dog doesn't do anything. You did so fantastic. You didn't get, a, you didn't start barking or get scared. You did so fantastic. Give them some love and let them know. Give them some treats if you want to. Okay. You ready? We're going to do it again. Only a little bit louder. Are you ready? And just keep, and just keep going. Um, and whenever you're desensitizing, we always give our dogs breaks in between. And I say, go maybe three to five, five minutes max, but your dog is going to tell you when they are not okay. Your dog is, um, might, they just might bark because that's what they're used to doing. Even though it's still not high, their stress level could be so high. They're just like, Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. You know, they're just, they're at their level. Um, or they might start panting or they might just start avoidance, which is just like if, if you were the human and I was a dog, it's just like, I don't want to see you right now. I'm just going to pretend you're not there. Like them, them looking away. So that's how, you know, okay, we just need a break. Cool. We can go have a break. Let's go outside. Let's sniff. Sniffing is a calming behavior for a dog. Um, so let them sniff, let them go be a dog, let them chill out. And then you can start again.
when people first get a dog and you know, they're talking to you, what, what are like one of the first things that you'll tell them that they should be keeping in mind when they have this dog? If people come to me before they get a dog, what I tell them is make sure or try your best to make sure that you know what the characteristics are of the dog that you are getting. Now, when you go to the pound or you go to a rescue or you go to a shelter, sometimes that's hard. They look at the dog and be like, well, you look like a lab. Maybe there's some pit in there. You want to say Doberman? Doberman dog, Doberman fly. Okay, Doberman too. Okay, so you're a lab, pit, Doby mix. Okay, boom, we're going to stick it on a sticker on your kennel. We're good to go. Next. And so they, they, you think you know what you have. Go off of those recommendations. And if you're getting a dog from a breeder, again, just knowing what the characteristics of that dog generally are. Every single dog has has its own personality. So they may not do all of those things. Um, but if you have, if you're getting um, a high energy dog, but you're a super laid back, chill family, that's normally like, you know, housebound for the majority of the time, you don't, you're not going to want a Belgian Malinois who's going to bounce off the ceiling and want to do like, you know, trifecta triathlon stuff, right? right. Because that's not your, that's not the human personality type that's going to match that dog. Um, before anybody uh, gets a dog, I tell them, Know what you what is okay for your dog to do and what is not okay for your dog to do. And that's going back to the rules and boundaries. Um, because I think if you let your dog run amok, your dog will run amok and then they will become a demanding brat. And it's not, and we're not trying to be mean by saying no to our dog, but there have to be have to be rules, there has to be lines in the sand. Um, and then also um, have expectations for your dog. Um, and when I say expectations, what do you want things to look like? What do you, what are you expecting behaviors that you teach your dog to look like? Um, if you don't have those expectations set and they might be different for every other person, right? And that little variance here and there, which is fine because dogs learn <laughs> this is okay with mom. This is okay with dad. This is okay with all the kids. Okay, go. Um, <laughs> but if you don't have those expectations, the dog is never going to learn them because you don't know what they are. I have two weird dog questions for you. Sure. Shoot, go. Dogs in strollers. How, how are you? Oh. Okay, so. <laughs> the look I'm, on your face. Really so, hold on. So, so, so we're, can you see her? That's Harlow. Like she's, she's, I know I'm talking about you, mama. Um, I've, I've always been a big dog person. And in all, in all honesty, I think it's a good way for dogs to get out. If it's hot outside, I think it's a good way for them to see the world around them. In all honesty, I don't think it's bad. I think it's super cute, even though I'm kind of like, oh shit. Um, I'm so sorry. Your wife probably has a dog in a stroll. I'm so sorry. No, 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 she doesn't. <laughs> we don't have a dog here. Don't worry. It's okay. Um, but, but, but no, and in, in all honesty, it allows people to be closer to their animals. I, I can't, the United States Service Dog Registry, if you scroll down to the very bottom, it's complete crap. It's complete. They're not affiliated with any government agency. They're just making money off people who want their dogs to be service dogs. Not going to happen. Okay. Same thing, ESA registry. Everybody wants their dog with them. And if, a, you know, in all honesty, if I could find something that she would sit in, I'd probably have one. Like in all honesty, <laughs> she'd want to walk, but you know, one day, 15 years down the line, when she, no, it's going to be a lot, a lot shorter than that. But, um, but yeah, I'd probably pull her around in a, a big wheelbarrow or I'd, I'd do something like that. So it just, you know, a, wa a doggy or, wagon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There's, there's your million dollar idea. It 
is. Yes. Now, if you can incorporate that into training, you you can have yourself uh, something interesting. Uh, there, it's it's <laughs> it's funny. So I know I I plan things like what I want to do, and then I think about my life afterwards. Like, oh, there's a holiday. Oh, my parents were coming to visit. Oh, I'm getting surgery on that day. Oh, crap. And so I told um, a group that I was doing a talk in and I said, oh, I didn't think this through. I'm running a challenge, from the, um, a barking challenge from the 18th to the 31st of October. And I'm having surgery on the 28th. I'm like, okay, okay. Oh, Halloween's the 31st. Um, <laughs> and they're like, just put Harlow on, just have Harlow pull you. I'm like, I could teach her to pull me. Good idea. I'll think about that one. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. All, all ideas all the time. <laughs> okay. All right. Second silly dog question. Yes. When people say that their dogs are talking to them when they're, you know, that <laughs> I think they will. <laughs> I, so I think a lot of times I think that the dog might be communicating back, whether they understand like actually understand the words that the humans have said, which very well could be possible or, or, you know, bits and pieces, right. And, and just talking back to him or, and this is what I think a lot of it is when the dog talks back, the human goes like this. Oh, you're so right. I love you so much. Call me baby. And so them talking back leads to some great stuff. So I'm just going to talk back all the time. That's, that's not to take, I don't, I'm totally not trying to take away from those individuals who have that connection with your dog, because I could be completely wrong. Your dog could understand every single word that has come out of your mouth, but your dog also likes the love and affection that you give him when that happens. So potato, potato, still happening. Enjoy it. Yeah. One of the uh, best dogs that we ever owned in our family growing up was a black lab and he used to make me laugh because he would grumble. Sometimes he would lay down and he'd go, and if my mom would yell at him, he'd be like, and she'd say, don't talk back to me. He'd be like, <laughs> so it was just instant comedy, you know, between. <laughs> she'll do that. I'll show Um, So we're working on her to not be reactive to certain things. And, and she'll, all of a sudden she'll be sitting there. And, she'll, and I was like, hello. What you, there's nothing there. I still isn't anything there. What? <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, and it's just, it's never a dull moment. So <laughs> <laughs> it just adds to the entertainment of nothing else, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So we have a portion of the show and we call it shameless self-promotion. And I'm sure, Hearing what you've got to say about dogs, I'm sure there are lots of dog lovers who are listening and uh, if they want to get in touch with you or follow you on social media, could you let them know what they got to do? Shameless self-promotion. Yeah, sure thing. So um, if you're in Facebook, um, I'm generally on my profile and it's just Kim Hawkinson. Um, you'll see this. Um, as, as <laughs> it's audio. They, they didn't see that oh. yet. <laughs> oh, um, is this audio or, or are they are they not going to see this? They're not going to see it physically. No, well, sugar shit. Um, <laughs> so um, Kim Hawkinson, um, you can go facebook.com forward slash KS Hawkinson. Um, you can also find me at um, Dog Training Secrets for dedicated 
and awesome dog moms and dads. That that's my free Facebook group. And we talk about just about everything dog in there. And that's where I announce my free challenges and um anything that's going on. Um, I think what I may end up doing for my group is um doing the perception mod, which is you know, teaching a dog how to be calm and cope with life a lot better. Um, but it's gonna be like drastically reduced, and I'm gonna do like a beta with my, with my group, which I'm super excited about. I'm so excited about everything. Um, but yeah, that's how to get in touch with me. Oh, um, on point dog training.com as well. And I know you said earlier there were hackers. You should have been like, no, stay, do not hack. Oh, <laughs> you oh, get the rolled up newspaper. Those are the ones who deserve the rolled up newspaper. Man, yes. <laughs> Stupid hackers messing with a perfectionist. God dang it. I, I was like, I'll recreate my website. I'll, I'll have it done in a week. A year later. Oh, shit. I still got to do that. It's terrible. Okay. But at least we know there's a Facebook group and po- folks can follow you there and uh, and learn a lot. Yeah. So, Kim Hawkinson, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast. We're on that internet thingy at SherPollution.com. And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. For this week's Sherpa Suggestions, I came across an article from a website called Poor Tracks, and they did an article called Seven Dog Training Podcasts That We're Obsessed With. So I figured I'd throw a few at you. And we have the Animal Training Academy, What Would Jeff Do, Dog Talk with Dr. Jen, Positively Dog Training, the official Victoria Stillwell podcast. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Uh, Victoria Stillwell, by the way, has a uh, dog training TV show as well. Canine Conversations, your family dog podcast, and finally, coincidentally, what I will be doing after this podcast episode, drinking from the toilet. Thanks so much to Kim Hawkinson for coming on the show and teaching us a little bit about dog training. We really appreciate that. If you are following me at Sharpolution on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, on the Facebook page, there's a tab that says Podcasts. And if you click on that, you will catch all of the episodes that you can listen to right there through Facebook. Wow, see, Facebook was actually useful for something. Oh, did I say that out loud? Oops, sorry. And please, if you can, uh, leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Five stars. Imagine if you put one star and you said that you love the podcast. What would people think? I wonder. But don't do that. <laughs> Just do five stars, please. Let everybody know. Spread the word about the Sharp Illusion. Share the episodes on social media. If you could, I would greatly appreciate that. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Viva the Sharp Illusion. Come on, Mr. Bruce, let's go for a ride. Come on, Mr. Bruce, go for a ride. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Bye, Rebels. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva la Chapalition. Viva la Chapalition. <laughs> Oh. Yo, come back now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs>